0: Good morning and welcome to Overeaters Anonymous, a vision for you big book study. My name is Melanie C, and I'm a recovered compulsive overeater. Today is Tuesday, November 17th, 2015. Today we are reading from the big book and we are on page 6, paragraph 1. Today's readers are reading the 12 steps, Hoodie R, the 12 traditions, Mary H, Reading the text today, Elizabeth S. Terry H. Martha Z. The reference number for yesterday, Monday, November 16, 2015, 8201, 8201. OA Preamble. Overeaters Anonymous is a fellowship of individuals who, through shared experience, strength, and hope, are recovering from compulsive overeating. And the practice of the 12 steps and 12 traditions of Overeaters Anonymous. I will now ask Hoodie R to read the 12 steps.
1: Good morning, Melanie. This is Hoodie R, a recovered compulsive overeater in Israel. The 12 steps of Overeaters Anonymous. One, we admitted we were powerless over food, that our lives had become unmanageable. Two, came to believe that a power greater than ourselves could restore us to sanity. 3. Made a decision to turn our will and our lives over to the care of God as we understood Him. 4. Made a searching and fearless moral inventory of ourselves. 5. Admitted to God, to ourselves, and to another human being the exact nature of our wrongs. 6. were entirely ready to have God remove all these defects of character. 7. to improve our conscious contact with God as we understood Him, praying only for knowledge of His will for us and the power to carry that out. And 12, having had a spiritual awakening as a result of these steps, we try to carry this message to other compulsive overeaters and to practice these principles in all our affairs. Thank you, and I pass.
0: Thank you, Hoodie R. I will now ask Mary H. to read the 12 Traditions.
2: Good morning, this is Mary in Connecticut, gratefully recovering, compulsive O reader. The 12 traditions. One, our common welfare should come first. Personal recovery depends upon OA unity. Two, for our group purpose, there is but one ultimate authority, a loving God as he may express himself in our group conscience. Our leaders are but trusted servants, they do not govern. Three, Pepper reminding us to place principles before personalities. Thank you for letting me do
0: service in my path. Thank you, Mary H. How our meeting works. Our meeting focuses on the directions for recovery described in the Big Book of Alcoholics Anonymous. We read a paragraph or two from the literature, then stop and share on what was read. We are sharing what the directions in the Big Book mean to us. To share, press star one to unmute. Once you're done sharing, let us know by saying pass, then press star one to mute your phone. In order to have a quiet meeting, everyone's phone except the speakers should be muted. Today we resume the study of the Big Book on page six, paragraph one, and I will ask Elizabeth S. to begin our study this morning. Good morning, Elizabeth S.
3: Good morning, Melanie. Are you hearing me?
0: Sounds a little bit muffled. Sounds a little bit muffled, oddly enough.
3: How about this?
0: Oh, much better. Thank this you so much. Okay, yeah, there great. we
3: go. Okay, uh, my name's Elizabeth S., and I'm recovered compulsive eater in Alberta, Canada. The remorse, the horror, hopelessness of the next morning are unforgettable. The courage to do battle was not there. My brain raced uncontrollably and there was a terrible sense of impending calamity. I hardly dared cross the street lest I collapse and be run down by an early morning truck for it was scarcely daylight. An all-night place supplied me with a dozen glasses of ale. My writhing nerves were stilled at last. A morning paper told me the market had gone to hell again. Well, so had I. The market would recover, but I wouldn't. That was a hard thought. Shall I kill myself? No. Not now. Then a mental fog settled down. Gin would fix that. So two bottles and oblivion. So, my name is Elizabeth and I'm a recovered compulsive eater in Alberta, Canada, and uh, you see Bill's descent here into hopelessness. How is he going to get himself help? How am I going to get myself help? For me, it was a lot of um, candies and chocolates that kind of numbed me right out, so I was comatose. And, um, even the day after I got my sponsor, one more binge. And, uh, the next morning I woke up in horror seeing when I was, all the rappers were on the floor and at night and I was just like a drunk. And that was a hard thought to, to admit that I was just like a drunk and, um, I always thought I was better than that, but um, I, if I couldn't handle life, then I just used just sugary substances to numb out, and figuring that would fix it, and really, it was just a slow suicide that slow
4: passed. Did you say pass, Elizabeth?
2: Yes,
5: I did.
0: Okay, great. Thank you so much. Thank you so much. Who would like to comment on this paragraph this morning? Kathy K. Kim G. G. And Kim G. Who else?
6: Anybody else? Rachel W.
7: Lynn S. Hey, Rachel
8: Lynn Naomi S. B.
9: Mary K. Melissa C.
8: Janice M.
0: Amy E. Okay. Okay. We're going to stop with Amy E. We have quite a nice list here. see where that goes with us. I'm going to give you the lineup. Kathy K., Kim G., Rachel W., Lynn S., Naomi B., Mary K., Melissa C., Janice M., and Amy E. We'll start with that. Good morning, Kathy K.
5: Thank you, Melanie, for your service. This is Kathy K., a recovered compulsive overeater from Boston. You know, I just love revisiting this paragraph um, because it is so easy for me to forget that um, I actually experienced this kind of horror and hopelessness. Um, and uh, I just want to say out loud so I don't forget it, I almost killed myself uh, behind the wheels of a car, um Uh, The day after a binge, um, because I had overeaten so much, I needed to take more insulin as a type 1 diabetic. And while I was behind the wheel, my blood sugar plummeted. Um, And I, I almost killed other people as well as myself because I basically lost consciousness. And this was all due... To my disease. Um, it took that really because I had for so many years minimized the seriousness of my disease only because I didn't have a lot of weight to lose. But boy, was I doing damage to my body and my soul and um, creating dangers uh, for other people as well as myself. So I totally identify with the remorse horror and helplessness absolutely and i never want to forget it and um you know it it, the disease is not only a killer but it's often lives invisibly around us and with that i pass
10: thank you kathy k kim g Good morning, Melanie. Good morning, all. My name is Kim Gee, and I'm a recovered compulsive overeater from South Jersey. You know, if alcohol was really Bill's problem. We've seen him get sober many times in these first six pages. So he would have been okay if he had just had an alcohol problem. What, we're, what I love about this paragraph is it really describes what the true problem of the alcoholic is. You know, if my real problem is not when I open up the bag of Doritos. My real problem is what do I do when the bag of Doritos is empty? So we see words in here like my brain raced uncontrollably, a sense of impending calamity, writhing nerves. That's my state when I am not eating. My real problem is abstinence because if my real problem was food and weight, I had gotten abstinent thousands of times. I have lost weight dozens of times. My real problem is I don't know how to live life when I am not eating. So these, my writhing nerves were stilled at last and I shared this in the after meeting but, yesterday but I want to share it again because this really shows me the torture of the alcoholic mind. You know, I was, I was in my mid to late 20s. I'm living with my parents. Work was so painful, life was so painful that I would live for the, for the moment I could leave work and I would go to a grocery store and I used to eat tubs of icing. And when I would go there, I would buy a cake mix and a tub of icing because that made the scenario look better to the person who would be checking me out. And I would be jonesing for that, that icing. But when I got in line and I had it in my cart, I could feel my shoulders relaxing. My writhing nerves were steadying at last, even though I haven't ingested the icing yet. Just the thought of having that icing was starting to calm me down. But by the time I got my turn in the grocery line, the thought of driving home the three to four minutes from the grocery store to my parents' house was so torturous that I would throw M&Ms in there because I needed something in my mouth to calm me down. And as a recovered person, I can see that now. I didn't see it then. And Bill is the same way. He is saying gin would fix that so two bottles in oblivion. He's now acknowledging that the alcohol is not the problem, the alcohol is the solution. And for me, I can so relate into that. In the beginning of my career, yes, food would make things better, food would take away sadness, but at the end, the best that I could hope for and what I settled for and what I craved was to feel absolutely nothing. And that is what oblivion is, absolutely nothing. And it was so important for me to understand that food was not my problem, it was my solution. Abstinence was my problem, and I needed a solution for abstinence. And that came to me in the process of recovery and the 12 steps. And with that, I pass. Thank you, Kim G. Rachel W.
6: Good morning, Melanie. Um, Thank you for your service. This is Rachel W., Recovered Compulsive Overeater calling from New York. this, this paragraph starts off with the remorse, horror, and hopelessness of the next morning are unforgettable. You know, um, in 1994, my sister passed away from non-Hodgkin's lymphoma in Marin County. Um, I was uh, he, she was my older sister, and the way that I dealt with it was through just eating into oblivion. And um, I remember, you know, basically watching her die. And uh, as I was watching her die, I was just ripping off candy wrappers left and right. And I remember remarking to my husband, like, I wonder if this is what an alcoholic feels like. And I had no idea that while I was in my, you know, remorse, horror, and hopelessness, that at the same time, God had created this incredible fellowship in tandem with my helplessness that, 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 you know, while that was happening, there was this whole miraculous fellowship that had developed and was just gaining, you know, thunder and, um and, um, You know, I look back at that and I think how amazing it is and how hopeful it is. But, you know, for me, that wasn't even the, I I didn't realize it could get get even worse than that because years later in the program, after I had lost 100 pounds and had been abstinent for seven years, I did fail to enlarge my spiritual base. And therefore, my spiritual base was smaller and my life was larger. And ultimately, I picked up food. And I want you to know, you know, I hope nobody else ever experiences this, but, uh, you know, the remorse, horror, and hopelessness of relapse didn't compare at all with, with the, um, the remorse and horror of, of the earlier days. And, and I did because, because the unmanageability of, of, you know, knowing what the right thing to do is and not doing it was just hell. And, um, but again, thank God. And, you know, God came through for me once again because while I was in my, you know, in my abyss of pain, um, all of you were here on the line and, and elsewhere, you know, recovering and doing this work that, Now, you know, thank God, I'm back from a relapse, sorry, for about over a year, about a year now, and um, thank God, and I could only do this uh, with the fellowship that God, you know, has given me, and the network of people that I know are his messengers that I have in my life now, so thank you for allowing me to share.
0: Thank you, Rachel W. Lynn S.
11: Good morning, this is Lynn S. from Toronto, Canada. This brain, you know, my brain raced uncontrollably with a terrible sense of impending calamity. And I just I just remember so many times, so many times that feeling. And the one that just strings out so, so clearly is driving down to Pizza Pizza, praying because there's only 10 minutes left before they close, praying that they don't have a slice so that this binge won't start and praying even harder that they do so that I can get the pizza and just even standing there knowing there's one slice left, I start to calm down, picking off the top of the pizza before it's even in my mouth. I can feel I'm starting to breathe, get it in my mouth, and and then I'm gone. But where am I gone to? I'm gone to whatever else happens to be open so I can get the other stuff that I need so I can continue to breathe and go into oblivion. But what really strikes me is I'm telling you this, and there's probably 300 people on the line and we all have our stories. Then there's the rest of our meeting, the other 1,200 who all have their stories. And then there's all the others out there who have this story and are perhaps living it right now. And it just struck me the enormity of this disease, how strong it is in each and every one of us, and how it affects so many, many people. I am so grateful that I am not there right now, right this minute. Today, I wasn't there yesterday, and I haven't been there for a few yesterdays before that. I am just so grateful for this meeting and the program. And with that, I pass.
0: Thank you, Lynn S. Naomi B.
7: Thank you, Melanie. Thank you for your service. Well, I too am going to hone in on this sentence. My brain raced uncontrollably, and there was a terrible sense of impending calamity. Well, as we're reading, Bill hasn't hit his bottom yet, but I know what it is to hit the bottom. And I tried on my own power to fight this problem, to fight this battle, this hopeless battle of food compulsion. And I remember when I was working through the steps with my first sponsor from um, Vision, she said, "If if ever you think you could go up against the food alone, you are wrong. And I never could. My mind was, it was hopeless. The battle was truly in my mind. I once went to an AA meeting, my first AA meeting, and I heard the speaker say, a person doesn't die from the alcohol. They die from the thinking. It's not the drinking, it's the thinking. And that's what it was for me. I was all the time restless, irritable, and discontent. I didn't know what was going on. And the only thing that could calm this crazy that was going on in my body, was the first bite. And then it proceeded to many bites after that. I, too, can attest to almost hitting somebody. I was hitting somebody with my car, racing home, so I could have this binge food. This all this poison that I put into my body, I didn't know what I didn't know, and I had no clue because I certainly had a blind spot. Thank you God, it's not that it's not that way today. I live in a calm, I live in serenity. I have restraint of tongue and pen. Restraint of tongue and pen. I keep my mouth shut for so many reasons. And thank you, God, this was never the case my entire life. I'm 68 years young, and it's like, holy mackerel, I'm finally learning to live. Following the sunlight of the Spirit. Thank you, God. Thank you, God. Thank you for allowing me to share, and I pass.
0: Thank you, Naomi B. Mary Kay, you're next. Press star one, please.
12: Uh, good morning. This is Mary Kay, Recovered uh, Compulsive Overeater just for today from upstate New York. Thank you, Melanie, for your service and everybody on the line. I want to focus in on should I kill myself? I need to give voice to this because it didn't even end up. And I realize now in my fourth step stuff um, and some additional work I need to do with with um, working out some amends. But I spent my life running um I was uh, I was gonna like Bill. I was gonna go to the top, and I didn't run away. I was gonna run to the top, and I was gonna prove myself, and I was gonna be the best, and I would beat and I would get myself in a position where people would stop, stop would respect me, and and they would stop teasing me and and, and mooing at me and 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 saying whispering there she blows. Uh, uh, you know all all those things that I, I was certain my job would take care of, and I, I didn't. And I knew my weight was part of it, um, but I, I didn't figure out yet. And I, I remember a day I was principal, and I remember riding with a colleague from one campus to another along the expressway, and I had this flash of opening the door and just throwing myself out. Oh my God. Those are the pits of despair and depression and and exasperation and that was uh, more than 10 years ago and the disease continued to progress but I kept pushing my way, certain that my self-will would, would take care of all of this even though I had God active in my life. This part of it, I never would give up to Him. And I just thank you God that he He led me to these rooms under this this program, and I am um almost uh five and a half months abstinent now since early june and and just living one day at a time with so much release from the craziness and and um and helping others who are helping me and that the the ability to give and give back and live in in steps 10 11 12 and I just thank you for mis- so much for these rooms and for for the big book and that I do believe was God inspired um thank you so much and, and with that I'll pass
0: Thank you Mary K Melissa C you're next and then we'll be Janice M Hi good morning
13: it's Melissa C recovered Post of Overeater in New York. You know, I'm hearing this morning and I'm focusing so much on, um, you know, my crazy head, my, my racing mind. Um, you know, it's being described so perfectly here, and the solution, you know, was always to pick up again. Like, that's what's going to calm me down. And, you know, it, it's no mistake that for years, um, you know, driving, to work or driving, um, you know, to places, to events, places that I needed to show up for. Um, I was consumed with fear, and so I just ate the whole time I drove. I just ate and ate and ate, but the, you know, the the gin seemed like the solution for for here while well, the food was exactly what I needed to kind of get me to um, to shut my brain down. You know, and I used to kid myself you know, or believe that it was the flavor, it was the taste of food. Food was delicious. That's why I did it. But this has nothing to do with taste and flavor and delicious because, you know, I was eating anything at that point. It really didn't matter um, what it was. It was it was just whatever it was going to be to calm me down. And so, you know, for me, um, the most incredible thing happened was um, that my racing had, my panic, really—that's what it was—became um, unbearable, and um, and the food stopped working, um, and I couldn't get my brain shut off. The panic was so great, this feeling that doom was right around the corner for me, um, and you know, and it seems that it happened exactly at seven a.m. every morning on my way to work, and when someone told me at this meeting. Um, you know, this replaced it. It was like I no longer had to eat in the car um, because I give hear the message of recovery. And so, um, you know, thank you. I'm just so grateful for this meeting, which has brought me, you know, through the steps um, to a relationship with my higher power, which is the only thing that can quiet my crazy racing mind. So thank
8: you. With that, i that.
0: Thank you, Melissa C. Janice M.?
8: And good morning to you, Melanie, and good morning to everyone. My name is Janice M., and I, and I am a grateful, recovered, compulsive overeater. This, uh, this paragraph reminds me so well of, um, of what relapse from abstinence is. It's not relapse from recovery. It's relapse from abstinence. Uh, when I was in my disease, I, I, would, uh, I would plan this binge to go into oblivion, I mean, because I I couldn't, you know, coming home from work and I had my son with me and uh, I couldn't live life. I couldn't face my home. I had to go go from being put one hat on as being, you know, a business person and then coming home. I couldn't take that because I knew what was ahead of me. So I would stop um, almost every day and get my binge foods, the ones that I knew. I mean, this is me, now this is just my experience, would put me into oblivion.
0: Janice, we lost you. Oh, oh, there you are.
8: Okay, all right. I don't know where you're here, but anyway, I would plan these binges so that I would go into oblivion because I couldn't live my life on life's terms. I had a, you know, after all, I was full of self-pity. I was coming home. I had a a small, you know, I had a son. I had a new home. Um, It was too much for me. So in order to, you know, I can remember wanting to uh, leave a, a note and uh, I'll, I'll, I'll just run away. See, I didn't want to commit suicide, but I wanted to run away. And I don't know where I was going to run to. <laughs> I didn't, you know, I didn't realize my own disease was going to come with me. And um, I was full of terror, full of panic, full of dread of living life on life's ter- terms because, oh, how could I do this? So I would eat go to bed. Sometimes I wouldn't wake until my husband come home from the office, and certainly I couldn't think straight. And, uh, you know, I was frustrated. I was frustrated. I lost all kinds of hope, um, like like Bill did here. Hopelessness, hopelessness. And, um, you know, suicide, running away became a luxury for me. That would be easier. That would be the way out, you know, Um, because the solution didn't work. Me getting, you know, into oblivion, I'd have to wake up anyway to the, you know, to these uh, terrors and bewilderments and frustrations. So this is what happens, you know, in abstinence when I'm not recovered. This is what it looks like. This is what my life looked like, you know. Um, So my disease did its job. It did just what it was supposed to do, put me into the, you know, my solution of oblivion that, you know, that this will be the truth now, you know, this will be the truth. So it, it showed, you know, I was because I was so hopeless. You know, the hopelessness um, is opposite of recovery. And with that, I pass. Thanks.
0: Thank you, Janice M. and Amy E. You're our next person. We'll have one last call after Amy and move on. Hi, Amy.
14: Good morning, Melanie. Amy E. in Ohio, abstinent and grateful. Um, I, I I love what Kim G. already shared about this. About this is this is how. I am in between meals when I'm not in recovery. This is me between (laughs) breakfast and lunch, Um, my mind racing uncontrollably, Um, the remorse, horror, and hopelessness. Um, The thing is, he, he goes on to say this in the next paragraph, he lives this way for two more years. You know, that is not enough for many of us to get us to put the food down um what is it but an act of grace that separates us from this remorse horror and hopelessness and stepping into trust and courage and willingness you know they talk about the three elements um instrumental in uh, how this program works honesty open mindedness and willingness and uh Thank God for these bottoms. I mean, it's, and I'm I'm also really grateful for this this paragraph too because we all eat differently. Um, I'll just share a little bit about my experience in 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 AA. I got sober very young, and I had some real old crusty alcoholics say, "Girl, I spilled more than you drank," and that was probably true. Um, but what my sponsor wisely told me at the time was, Amy, don't identify with, with um, uh, how they drank or the circumstances around their drinking, but how it made you feel. Identify with the feelings. And I identify with these feelings, regardless of whether I was 500 pounds or 50 pounds. These are the feelings that I have between my meals. And this is what I want to recover from, this obsession of the mind um, that keeps me chasing after that um, uh, that first bite. Uh, somehow, someday, I'm going to beat this game and I'm going to be able to eat like a normal person. Um, and and it was said earlier, the only way out of this conundrum is to turn my will in my life over to something bigger than me that I... Um, trust all of you telling me that this power exists, that it exists for me, and that it will happen for me and to me if I just follow a few simple instructions, which are written here in this big book and which you guys have been so generous in helping me um, follow. Uh, Thank you for your service. Thank God for AA. I pass.
0: Thank you, Amy. E. Would anyone else like to comment before we move on? Monica, Renata, Uh, Sally, Jody, and Jody. Let's go with that. Thank you so much. Monica, if you go first, then it would be Renata, Sally A, and Jody E. Good morning, Monica.
15: Good morning, Melanie. Good morning, everyone. My name is Monica, and I am a recovered compulsive overeater. The market had gone to hell again. Well, so had I. That was a hard thought. Should I kill myself? No, not now. Then a mental fog settled down. Gin would fix that. So so two bottles and oblivion. Oblivion, unconsciousness, unawareness. So it was just this whole paragraph. I thought, oh, my God, here's the cycle. Here's the cycle of hell that we live. And he's finally realizing, you know, he's hitting further bottom and he's more realization here that he cannot do it. You know, the paragraph above was I, 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 <coughs> excuse me. And he's, he's even to the point, should I kill myself? Remember what he said the par- the, the, just one page before? How disgusted he was at the other people who committed suicide. But what is he doing? He still thinks the bottles are the solution, and he's going into oblivion. <clears throat> but what happens with oblivion for us? gotta wake up, you know it's an attempt to escape, but what happens I gotta wake up and what and when I wake up, what am I faced with again? You know the top of this paragraph remorse, horror, hopelessness, what an endless cycle this disease just loves to have us in this cycle right here and um but there's a way out, and I'm going to pass with that. Thank you.
0: Thank you, Monica T. Renata G.
3: Sarwan Renata.
1: Sorry
16: about that. I was talking away. Uh, good morning. Thank you for your service, Melanie. Good morning, family. This is Renata G., Grateful, Recovered, Compulsory in New York. Excuse me. Um, Yeah, I'm going to pick back a little bit on what Monica was saying. You know, this, you know, remorse, horror, hopelessness, you know, that that was my reality. I lived in this cycle, and there was no way out. I was, you know, hopeless. I lived in despair. And... uh, You know, when I go down a few lines and it says the market would recover, but I wouldn't. And, you know, that's the lie that my disease used to tell me, that there was no way out, that I was doomed to live that way, you know, in that terrible sense of impending calamity and confusion and powerlessness. But that was not true. You know, uh, when I really... When I could really see my powerlessness with this disease, you know when I hit my bottom, when I had my last you know awful awful awful, awful binge, um you know, and I decided that my life depended on it, when I could really see that, and I started working this program with the same you know like the doctor Bob says with the you know half of the zeal that I put into my disease. I did recover, you know, I I gained access to a higher power that took me out of that misery, of that vicious cycle that I could not pull myself out from. And so, you know, I, I've shared the other day in the meeting that I have a post-it in my big book, in Bill's story, you know, my disease really telling me, get up and go eat. You know this is not going to work. You're just wasting your time. Just just binge now. Why wait? And, you know, these are just lies. You know, when I really put the food down, got clean, and worked the steps, like if my life depended on it, it worked. You know, God did for me what I could not do for myself. And today I'm recovered, free, you know, one day at a time. With that, I pass things. Thank you, Renata G. Sally A.
17: Good morning, Melanie. Good morning, The Vision for You. Thank you, Melanie, for your service to all of us. Sally A, Recovered and Compulsive Overeater in South Jersey. I just want to hone in one more time on this word, the remorse. This word, the remorse, uh, first of all, it reminds me at the bottom of page 151, which describes again in the chapter, A Vision for You, which sums it all up again they do it over and over they give us again they sum it up at the bottom of page 151 in the vision for you it tells us it speaks of the four horsemen terror bewilderment frustration despair unhappy drinkers who read this page will understand and here it describes the same the same PTSD this post traumatic stress syndrome And that's what it describes for me, the remorse, the horror, the hopelessness of the next morning. Because I woke up to this post-traumatic stress syndrome for a lot of years. Even after I put the food down, I still woke up scared and shaking of where am I? Am I abstinent? Am I not abstinent? Am I in the food? Am I not abstinent? And the, the interesting thing about this word, the remorse. You should know the word the remorse. Remorse means a feeling of being sorry for doing something bad or wrong. A feeling of guilt, annoying distress arising from a sense of guilt for past wrongs. Hello. This is this is what it was just like. It was this this guilt of what have I done again? And what I see in this paragraph is so crucial for every newcomer who's on the line, for everyone who's still struggling in the food, hear me this morning. You can't fix this. The remorse, the guilt, the horror, the hopelessness all stems from you thinking that you can somehow extract yourself from this problem. You can't. You're powerless. You're out of control, and you cannot get in control. You need help. There is a solution. It's right here. And it begins this morning, this day, with a decision. I need help. I cannot get myself out of this. That's why by the end of this paragraph, this guy is like, get me out of reality. Put me in a place of oblivion because he knows. He is beginning to be very clear that he is out of control and there's no getting in control. That's why a terrible sense of impending calamity, this terrible sense of impending calamity that he speaks of here in the second or third line is this post-traumatic stress syndrome that I lived with for years, the reality of I cannot fix this. Oh, my goodness, I can't fix this? If I can't fix this, what am I going to do? And that is a beautiful place to be. That's the reality of this illness that we have. This is a mental and a physical allergy of our body and a mental illness that we cannot fix. You're in the right
0: place. Thanks for letting me share with that, I pass. Thank you, Sally. Jody E., you're next and last because we'll move on after you to the next paragraph. Hi, Jody.
18: Good morning, this is Jody E. in California. Thank you for your service, Melanie and everyone. So, um, I too felt suicidal at one point, just before I found Overeaters Anonymous, but I wasn't quite ready to commit suicide, I think. I thought, maybe one day I'll end up committing suicide, as my mother did, at the age of 47. Because there was this hopelessness, this horror, this uh, fear, this unmanageability of my life. I didn't know how to live life. And when I found this big book shortly thereafter, thanks to my brother, who's a member of AA, he gave me a copy and started reading about the actor who wants to run the whole show, And the show isn't coming off very well. I could so relate to that. I was trying to manage my life, trying to make sense of this life, trying to succeed in life. Oh, maybe I'll do this or I'll do that. And nothing succeeded, or at least I felt that way, that nothing was succeeding. And that even when I got what I thought I wanted, which I had, I had gotten a, a home, a husband, a child, which is what I thought I wanted, and I was more unhappy than ever. And I turned to flower products, and mostly flower products at that time, to to numb the feelings of hopelessness and unmanageability and frustration and confusion that I had. And then this book was just dropped into my life, and I found over Eater's Anonymous, and I knew I had found the solution. But it would take many years for me to get abstinent, and many years more to recover, because this is a very complex disease. It's not just about the body. It's not just about the mind. It's a two—some people say it's a twofold, some say threefold illness. And I have to address all all aspects of it. And I'm very, very grateful that I have found this program, Overeaters Anonymous, as well as this line. And I wouldn't be on this call at 4 o'clock in the morning if I wasn't a true compulsive overeater. Though my bottom was not especially low. I probably did not reach the, um, the bottom that Bill reached. I have not. But I don't have to. I don't have to. I can raise the bottom uh, to hit me by by understanding the true nature of my illness and by working these twelve steps, which makes me more aware of even subtle uh, subtle lapses into the compulsive thinking that leads me to the compulsive eating. And with that, I'll pass. Thank you.
0: Thank you, Jody E. Appreciate the share. Now we'll move on to the second paragraph on page six. And Terry H., would you read that paragraph for us and share on that?
9: Yes. Thanks, Melanie, for your service. And good morning, everyone. My name is Terry H. I'm recovered compulsive over here from Maine. The mind and body are marvelous mechanisms. For mine endure this agony two more years. Sometimes I stole from my wife's slender purse when the morning terror and madness were on me. Again, I swayed dizzily before an open window or the medicine cabinet where there was poison, cursing myself for a weak There were flights from city to country and back as my wife and I sought escape. Then came the night when the physical and mental torture was so hellish, I feared I would burst through my window, fashion all. Somehow I managed to drag my mattress to the lower floor, lest I suddenly leaped. A doctor came with a heavy sedative. Next day found me drinking both gin and sedative. This combination soon landed me on the rocks. People feared for my sanity, so did I. I could eat little or nothing when drinking, and I was forty pounds underweight. And so this paragraph, um, identifying it with Bill, how he saw it, felt, and acted, I, I guess I'm just going to focus on the first. Lion versus mind, mind and body are marvelous mechanisms for mine endure this agony for two more years. So my experience with this was, you know, I had, um, you know, I had periods of abstinence, you know, through, through this journey and, you know, the last time that I had abstinence, you know, it's, I had a food plan, you know, I had knowledge of my problem and um, totally identifying it with Bill. You know, three months of abstinence, you know, the thought, my thinking, you know, um, brought me to a place where I thought I could pick up something that was not on my food plan, you know, and um, you know, off and running for four more years of agony, you know, so I can totally identify him with Bill and you know, so I've learned from this 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 paragraph, this this just this line, this sentence, the mind and the body, it's you know, my mind is my greater aspect and you know, having knowledge of my problem does not equal a solution. And that's why, you know, I can identify with Bill because, you know, I'm I'm hopeless. And, you know, what is hopeless? One who wants to stop but can't. And so, you know, my best thinking, my truth and where my mind takes me is, you know, I return to the food knowing full well I I can't control it. You know, I return to the food even when I have every reason not to, excuse me, not to, You know, I I return to the food when I sincerely desire to stop and, you know, know, have every reason to. You know, self-knowledge is just, you know, for me, self-knowledge is just one more reason, you know, uh, one more resource of human power because I can't fix me with me. And um, it's like being on this hamster wheel. It just keeps going around and around and I never get off. So I've learned that, you know, my mind... My mind will destroy my body. My body will destroy my mind, and and, um, it's uh, ongoing. So um, for me, I can totally identify in with, you know, the agony for four more years for myself, um, and with that, I'll pass. Thanks for letting me share.
0: Thank you, Terry. I just wanted to announce to people that we have time probably for two people, maybe three, we're going to have to just barely get into this study and, Pick it up again tomorrow, and I did hear A J M, and then A-M. I hear Larry, and I hear and We're going to stop with that, please. I apologize, but that's the end of our time. So good morning, A J, then Larry, then Leah.
19: This is AJ Star one, A J.
0: Oh, there you are.
19: This is A J M in North Carolina, gratefully recovering compulsive overeater. And the line that jumped out at me was, "As my wife." And I sought escape. There were flights from city to country and back as my wife and I sought escape. And all through these paragraphs that we've been reading for the past week, I keep thinking about Lois, and I think about his wife, Bill's wife, and I think about the people in my family that my disease has affected. Um, it's so easy only to think of Bill and the madness that he's in. And as in the previous paragraph, the the um, dozen glasses of ale followed by two bottles of gin. And um, I keep thinking, you know, he's stealing from his wife's purse. And what was she doing all this time? And he goes on to say, people feared for my sanity. Well, I'm sure that one of those people was Lois. It's so easy to forget the people in our lives who are as affected by our disease as we are, if not even in some ways more so. I think about my small children when I was, um, uh, many years ago, when I was so in the food and the days of their lives that were lost as, as I was seeking oblivion through excess food. Um, I've been able through this program to let go of my guilt about that, to accept this illness for what it is. It is an, an illness, to accept my allergy. But I can't help, as we're reading these horrific paragraphs, I mean, just awful, awful what he's going through. And I can't help thinking about the people he's living with and the other people um, affected by his disease. And with that, thank you for your service. With that, I'll pass.
0: Thank you, AJ. Larry Kay.
20: Hey, Melanie. Uh, Larry Kay, recovered uh, compulsive overeater. Uh, I'm going to be a a minute man this morning here. Um, So, you know, uh, you know, we're deceived <laughs> into thinking that our own willpower will overcome no power and as long as i remained you know the principle the, the master of my own universe my own higher power and that i thought that i could bend you know the forces of nature to my advantage surely my binge foods you know were not not more powerful powerful than i and i mean I mean, after all, they look so harmless and and they were certainly so available. And, you know, it it talks about flights from city to country and back, you know, as my wife and I sought escape. Yes, me too. You know, minus the wife, of course, because I was too full of false pride and spiritual disease to maintain those relationships at the time. But I certainly sought out geographical cures in the hope that they would answer, you know, uh, my solution. And indeed, they were my solution. See the. The Bahamas and Disney World were were never my problem. They were just like a box of Pop-Tarts. They were my temporary solution. (laughs) They brought me temporary diversion from my hell. And yet, ironically, they also served to keep me stuck in my hell because they often provided me with just enough mind-numbing delusion, you know, to persuade me that I could hold off the tidal wave of my ultimate destruction. And... You know, you, you see a trip to the country or a trip to the convenience store. I mean, what difference does it make? You know, they produce the same delusion in my mind. And I defy anyone with this disease like me to convince themselves there's a fundamental difference in that underlying dynamic. Thank God that we have a solution out of this hell. With that, will pass. Thanks.
0: Thank you, Larry Kay. And Leah M., please share with us. We have a couple of minutes.
4: Thank you. Yeah. Okay, great. Thanks, Melanie. Um My timer here. People feared for my sanity. I mean, certainly this is just such a frightening and vivid and detailed account of, you know, Bill's descent into the madness of alcoholism and, you know people do focus, you know, on the actual physical suffering. Everybody focuses on the problems compulsive overeating causes, the obesity, the diabetes, the high blood pressure, cholesterol, heart disease, etc. But that doesn't help you understand compulsive overeating at all. It doesn't help you understand Bill at all. The real problem is that even after all this damage, even after his body is obviously wearing out, even though he's, you know, his body body is deteriorating from the drugs and the alcohol now. He's dying of malnutrition. Um, You know, even after all this damage and all this illness and all the consequences, the real powerlessness, the real insanity is that he is compelled to pick up that first drink over and over and over and over again. And, you know, we get to the point, Bill got to the point where he is drinking because of the pain of drinking. (laughs) And I relate to that. You know, I was binging because of the pain of binging. I did not see a way out. You know, they say that dying is the greatest loss. (laughs) You know, but sometimes the greatest loss is dying inside while you're still alive. You know, I thought early on in my addiction that I was free. I was eating what I wanted, when I wanted, whenever I wanted. You know, but I didn't realize how foolish that was because an addict doesn't know what freedom is. We live in bondage. We live in bondage. Bill is living in bondage. You know, it took the program of recovery, and that's exactly why we study this book. This book is designed to bring about an experience that transforms us that restores us to sanity, brings us soundness of mind, allows us to be free, relieves us of that obsession of the mind. And, uh, you know, that's why we're dedicated to being here every day, um, because for those who are still suffering, there is a way out. And with that, I pass. Thanks. Thank
0: you, Leah. Thank you so much for those that shared. And I'm I'm um, aware that we barely scratched the surface on that particular paragraph. Those that shared this morning, thank you so much. Come back and perhaps finish your thought out because you all looked like you had uh, uh, <laughs> not enough time to be able to complete your thought. And then thank you to everyone that shared today. Very, very wonderful shares. And please join us now for a second hour of unrecorded sharing. Um, it's a study that will follow right after our announcements this morning. And we will now close, though, with a reading from the big book on page 164, followed by the Serenity Prayer. Martha Z., will you please read a vision for you? Our book is meant to be suggestive
21: only. Good morning, friends in recovery. This is Martha Z., Recovered Compulsive Overeater by the Grace of God from near Philadelphia. Our book is meant to be suggestive only. We realize we know only a little. God will constantly disclose more to you and to us.